Let's look at uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7. We, we um, started a series quite a few weeks ago called The Role of a Pastor, and um, we've had some other things going on for a few weeks. Had a guest minister, had different, you know, baptism, all that. Um, but we're still going gonna to go on this series um, today. And so if you missed the first few uh, messages in that series, they're all on our website, they're on YouTube, you can go back on Facebook and listen to them, they're on Spotify, they're on Apple Podcasts, there's a number of way to ke- ways to catch up, we're not going to, you know, cover everything we covered, we'll recap some, but it would, it would be a blessing to you, there's, we're, we're talking about different aspects of this, and uh, things that are relevant to us, as uh, those that are part of the church. Verse 7 It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Skip down to verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Notice it says in... A previous verse, it says, he gave gifts to men. Here it says, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So these are the gifts that he's talking about that he gave. Notice it says, God gave these gifts. Men didn't give them. Men don't create them. You, you, don't, you don't call yourself to any of these things. You don't say, well, you know, I'm one of these ministry gifts. I just believe. No, the only thing you can believe is that God called you. God set these gifts in place. It's not an honor that anybody takes unto themselves. You can't do it with natural equipment. You need supernatural equipment. It's the call of God. We ought to all do what God has called us to do individually. Amen? Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to do what somebody else is doing. You can't, you know, your mom can't call you. Your dad can't call you into the ministry or to anything. You have certain gifts and abilities and talents given to you by Almighty God and the only thing for you to do is cooperate with those and cooperate with the call and do that. You try to get into something else, you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to fall on your face or you're going to get into error. Amen? Now all these uh, gifts are listed here. This is what we call the five-fold ministry gifts. Uh, <clears throat> these are gifts, maybe talk about this a different time, but these are the five-fold ministry gifts. There are different anointings, but as far as full-time, what would be eventually full-time ministry gifts, these are it. You know, people will sometimes talk about other things and, and, and try to put them in this list, not particularly in this list, but they'll talk about you know, a prayer warrior or something. Act like it's one of these. It's not one of these. You can be anointed to pray, but that's not a five-fold ministry gift. Did you hear me? A worship leader is not a five-fold ministry gift. Did you hear me? You can be anointed to lead worship, but it's not one of these. And some people get, get into error. They start saying, well, I, this is my ministry. These are, the, these are the, the, the five-fold ministry gifts that are in the New Testament that are listed here and are all throughout Acts. You can be anointed to do all kinds of things. You could be anointed to be a school teacher. You can be anointed to lead a business. You can be anointed to organize things. Of course, you can be anointed to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But, but people try to make ministries out of things. You can have a ministry in different things. You can be ministered, but, but they're, they're not part of these things there, there, um, there's anointings to do that. You know, you can be anointed to be an exhorter. You encourage people. You are, you know, you get up and it's always exhortation. Uh, anyway, not really focusing on that today, but that's, that's the truth. And in all these things, there are different levels. There are different uh, levels of anointings in all these areas. In other words, they're not just the prophet. And then, you know, there are levels of that. There are levels of, of pastoral work. There are levels of evangelists, levels of apostles, levels of teachers. There's levels of anointings. So, you know, sometimes we just compartmentalize stuff in our own head. 
Uh, but just know, God's, we talk about these things so that, or we compartmentalize them so we can talk about them, but that doesn't mean there's not an overlap in some of these things. You can be called to one more, more than one of these. Amen? So God has ordained gifts. God has ordained gifts in the, the body of Christ, and what there's a specific reason. Let's just start with 11 and go forth. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice, that's what these are for, to do that. Could you have other ministries? Yes, but this is, this is what it's talking about. These are to equip, for, to, to edify. What does edify mean? It means to build up. Verse 13, "...till we all come to the unity of the faith uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man," that word means mature, so you can say to a mature man, "...to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." Verse 14, "...that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting." But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Notice that last verse. So this is saying, you know, this is all together. These gifts are given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Then it goes down, verse 16, from whom, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, so the whole body of Christ, all, all the church of God, all the, the um, family of God, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the affecting, effective working by which every part does its share. So we all have a part causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we're talking about the body, the, the, the church being built up, everybody doing our part, our share, to be edified and to be built up. Now let's look at just a few verses quick um, that we looked at before, but just, you know, it's been a while, so just refresher and get everybody on the same page. John 10.10 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. In the, in the Hebrews 13, 20, it says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. That great shepherd of the sheep. So it's called Jesus that great shepherd. He called himself the good shepherd. First Peter 5, 4 says when the chief shepherd appears. So Jesus is called the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. He is the one that's shepherding his flock on the earth. In other words, the, the, the body of Christ are the sheep. He's the good shepherd and he's the ultimate leader. Okay? But he has put in place under shepherds called, that, that's what uh, is used mostly in the New Testament, the word shepherd for pastor, but also the word pastor is used. The actual word pastor is used once, like in the King James, but you see shepherd, and that means to feed and to guide. Those, those individuals that are anointed to do that are under shepherds, but Jesus is the chief shepherd. So he's the one shepherding his flock, but he's placed under shepherds in the body to represent him, not talking about a priest, not talking about representing a person to God, but to do the work that he would do if he were here, as far as it is, is bringing his body along, bringing his children along. In other words, Christ Jesus is the, the chief shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd, but he's placed under shepherds and placed an anointing on them all over the world to bring the church along and to do the things that, he's, uh, that he would do if he were here. And we've talked about some of these things. To, to lead and to feed 
to lead and to feed are, are primary um, protection. There's a protection that goes with, just because it's God's structure. It's not a man's structure. And, you know, it's coming around again. It's been around before. People talk about, well, you don't need a pastor. You're just good to be out by yourself. That's a lie. We're, we're, we're reading script. We've talked about it. I mean, we've talked about it numerous times. We're only going to talk about certain things today. Not going to repeat everything we, we talked about. That's just not true. God anointed, um, put, set these gifts in place. It's God's idea. So to say, well, we don't need that anymore. That's arrogance. It's rebellion. It's pride. And it's false. And if we're not, not going to cooperate with God's structure, we're not going to have what he said. You know, he's, he's, he's put certain things in place because he knows more than we do. Can we all agree on that? We have a major problem if, if, if we can't agree on that. If we think we're smarter than God, say, well, I'd never think that. Rebellion is believing you're smarter than God. Anytime you say, God says one thing and you say, well, I think I'll do this. You just said... You are smarter than God. You have a better idea. You have more foresight than he does. You can see further. That is, that's how stupid it really is when God asks us to do something, either through his word or by his spirit, and we say, mm, I'd rather do this. It, now, this will help you. If in the future, when you're tempted to do that, you say, when you're tempted to say, I don't want to do what God told me to do, Instead of whining about and saying, God, blah, blah, just say this. Right now, I am acting like I'm smarter than God. Is that a good idea? There should be an obvious answer to that. And so right there, you have this little conversation with yourself. Doesn't have to be out loud. God forbid. If there's people around, don't have that conversation with yourself out loud. Just have it in your mind. Go out to your car if you're at work. You know, then your mouth might be moving. and You may might think you're on a phone call, but that's okay. You just, you get, in, get away, and if you'll say that, it'll, it'll pinpoint what's really going on. Because there is an enemy. And you know, he tries, he, he's subtle. What did the devil try to do? He tried to assault God. He believed he could take on the Almighty. That is the epitome of pride. That's the epitome of rebellion. He was high in the hierarchy of God's angels. He was a leader, and that wasn't good enough. He decided he wanted to be like God. And so he got it in his mind that it was a good idea to take on the Almighty. One who has been around for we don't know how long knows God. Knows his power. Has seen his power. Decided, yep, we're going to take him out. Talk about deception. Talk about rebellion. Think you're smarter and you're going to take out the one who has always been. We don't know how long, you know, Lucifer has been around. It was called Lucifer, Satan. But it's not as long as God. Satan is not the equal and opposite force of God. Like, you know, we have fairy tales and, you know, what we call movies now that uh, people are, act like the evil is just this, just, just struggle between evil and good and they're equal and opposite. You just don't know who's going to win. <laughs> that is not the truth. <laughs> God Almighty is so far above anything else. There is no one that can assault him. Anybody that tries is not going to win. Satan is not even in the realm of equality with the Almighty. <laughs> Nowhere close. But he thought he could somehow, now he thinks, I'm going to take him out. And that same spirit, and that same influence, is what Satan tries to exalt, or uh, to influence people with, exert on people, get them to think that they can go without God and do without God or do it a different way that, than God wants it done. Because, you know, I, I see it in the Bible or I, I know what he's telling me, but I want it this way. It's subtle. It's the same spirit. And what we are saying at that moment is, 
I am smarter than the Almighty. And as stupid as that is and as it sounds, it is insidious how that will try to grip your mind and try to get you to do something else than what God has told you because you have a reason why and you're limited in understanding and view of what's going on. You think you can see further and better than the Almighty. And that's how people get off and get deceived, and they think they're being smart. They think they're, they're, they're educated, that they are spiritual, and all the while they're being played just like a puppet by the devil. I'm not saying they're possessed. That's what he does to people. He just influences. It's in, you know, puts it in, gets somebody to tell you that, and puts it on a show, whatever. That's why we've got to be careful what we listen to and watch get you to think, ah, that's an old idea. If it's in the Bible, it's not an old idea. Maybe old is not outdated, better way to say it. Yeah, it's at least if it's in the written word, I mean, it's 2,000 years old. That doesn't mean it's not true. And it just comes around every few years in different areas. People think they have a new revelation. Now they're smarter than the body of Christ. They're smarter than people that have been walking with God. We have a new idea and we have a revelation and we have a better way. And it just is in a different wrapper. It looks a slightly different way, but it's the same thing that happened a couple decades ago and before that. The same dumb ideas come up and then people walk through and then they get destroyed and then people realize that was dumb and then a new crop of people comes up and been like, oh, they, they, they get in a whole new idea and they're all new and they think, Oh, we found something new. And they go right around the same tree again. This is what happens. That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need the Spirit of God to lead us. And one of the dumb ideas is that people think they don't need church, and they're smarter, and they don't need a pastor, and they don't need any of these ministry gifts because it's just me and Jesus. That's dumb. (laughs) If the Bible told us we need these things... Then if we say we don't, what are we doing? God, I'm smarter than you. I know a better way. Somebody said it on YouTube, and they pointed to a few scriptures, so we're going that way. Be careful what you watch on YouTube or any other channel. You throw a few scriptures, that de- the devil uses scripture. You've got to rightly divide the word of God. We're not going to recap this whole series, all right? But we talked about earlier. We're not talking about you being less than somebody or a person. We're not talking about domination. We're not talking about somebody uh, being controlling. We're talking about the Bible. Just because there are extremes and people have done dumb stuff in the church, they do dumb stuff in every area. Just because people have gone to an extreme and been controlling people's lives in the church doesn't mean we go and say, there's no church. The Bible's still true. There's a middle of the road that's scriptural that will get the benefit. Control, exercising control over another human being is devilish. God doesn't do it. God gives you a choice. And if he doesn't do it, you see, Satan, though, he tries to take control. He tries to put people in bondage. Anything that tries to put you in bondage and control you is not of God. But that doesn't mean there's not the word of God and that, we sh- that, that, that says that we should be hooked up with a local body and that we will be corrected by the word and by the word that goes forth and that, that we won't have to change our way of thinking sometime. Amen? If we, if we think that we're never going to have to change our thinking ever... That means we think we got it all together and have arrived now. Already on level with God. Nothing in my mindset needs any correcting whatsoever. I'm there. I've arrived. You know that's not a good idea. If somebody told that to you, you go like, okay, whatever. <laughs> right? Again, subtle. Mate, if you say it that way, it sounds really dumb, but it's more subtle than that. It's like, well, no, but I, you know, it, it's... When I do something does correct me, you know, it doesn't feel good. So we can go, 
I don't like that, so I'll make an excuse. Well, if we do that every time something tries to correct us and we're just like, no, do we find a reason why we're not going to do it? We're acting like there's nothing that needs to be corrected. So the end is the same. (laughs) You guys all right? (laughs) Praise the Lord. He's good. So God, the Lord Jesus, is the chief shepherd. I don't know about you, but I want to just be like, Lord, whatever you said, I'm there. I'm a good sheep. Where do you want me? If you say, don't go over there, I'm here. Say, don't go over there. Yep, right here. I'm not going to go, ooh, right there? That's the line? Right there? (laughs) Dumb sheep. Stupid. Now, if Jesus is the shepherd, then I want to be like, where do you want me? How do you want it done? Oh, what did your word say? Oh, you want me to do? Okay, I'm here. Your mind may say, you're an idiot. You're, You're doing that. No, no, no. Jesus said it, so I'm here. Spirit of God, the Word says it, Spirit of God says it, you know, my head may go, what in the world? That's good timing, huh? Spirit of God, if He's telling me to do something, my head may say something else, but what do we already say? If I'm going to go against what God said, then I'm being an idiot. I'm being stupid. I need, I'm acting like I know more than Him. So that's not a good idea. So if I just want to be smack dab in the will of Almighty God, I don't care where it is, I don't care what it looks like, I don't care what my brain thinks about it, I need to be there because that's the safest place on the planet. It's going to be the most fulfilling place. Amen? God is smart. Everybody say that. God is smart. Say it again. God is smart. One more time. God is smart. Now say this. God is smarter than me. Say it, say it again. Say it one more time. And I will follow him. Say that. No matter where it takes me. No matter what he tells me to do. He's right. And I'll follow him. Amen. Because he's a good shepherd. If he's leading, oh, I'm following. Where are you going? I'm following. Where, I'm following. I'm, I'm a good sheep. I'm following because you're the good shepherd. If you tell it to me, it's good. So you got to trust him because your mind may go, what are you doing? But if you follow him, you got to believe that he's good and that he's taking you in the right place. Praise God. So look at Ephesians 4.11 again. Let's read through this, and then I want to focus on something specific. Ephesians 4.11. It says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, Overall, this is why these gifts have been given, what? For us to be equipped, us to be, the body of Christ, to be edified and built up. Now, it goes on to say, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of, son of, of, of the Son of God. What's that? We're growing up, we're coming in, growing up in unity and knowledge to a perfect man. What's that? A mature man. So we're growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man, what we were talking about, just going, oh, I just don't know. Know that we start being solid and we're strong and we're growing up and we're equipped. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body... Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So you see, this is all about the gifts being given, just one part. We're not talking about, there's, there's all kinds of ways we can come up in truth. Of course you want to read your Bible. Of course you want to have a relationship with God. Of course there's an individual relationship. But this is another truth that we ought to be taking advantage of. So it's saying these gifts have been given for the equipping and for the building up. And then notice it talks about the whole body doing its share and the whole body 
uh, helping to be edify, edifying and, and um, causing growth, which we're going to touch on in a minute. Let's look at uh, verse 12 in the Amplified Classic. It says, His intention was the forgiving these gifts was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. Do you want to be fully equipped? I mean, do we want to be half equipped for the job or we want to be fully equipped? We want to be a quarter equipped? You know, if you're going into, you know, an assignment, do you just want a little bit of preparation? You want a little bit of equipment or you want everything you need to get the job done? course you're like everything we need well this is what he's talking about when you're talking about us being equipped it says the full equipping of the saints what's a saint that's a child of god that's not a super class of a child of god that's just a christian (laughs) you know some some groups have tried to make it you know there's a saint so-and-so and and saint so-and-so uh that would be like saying christian so-and-so like christian jim preston or Christian Shelley Preston. It's, that's all you're saying. The Bible continually, when, when uh, the apostles are writing letters, they say, to the saints at such and such a place. That just means the Christians, okay? So here it's saying the full equipping of the saints. That's the full equipping of the children of God, his consecrated people. That they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body. So, when we're talking, we're talking about all these fivefold gifts, but we're specifically talking about the pastor, which is the local shepherd. Excuse me, just stepped on my shoelace. Don't want to have a worse thing in a minute. Forget about it. And then, whoop. So the the Jesus is the chief shepherd. We have these fivefold gifts that yes, overall are are helping the body. A lot of these other ones are going to be supplements or influences in the body of Christ, but. Everybody ought to have a pastor, a local body. That applies to all of us, which is why we're talking about this. It applies to every single one of us. We need to have a pastor, a local body that we're hooked up with, that of all the geographic places on the wor- in the world, you say, this is where I am. This is the place I am. And it ought to be some... Hear me now. It ought to be local. Ideally, it ought to be local. Yes, I know we have technology. There's people that watch us in different parts of the world even. But ideally, okay, if it's for a period of time that you don't have this, okay, but ideally you need to be somewhere where you have boots on the ground that you can talk to somebody that they're your church, they're your pastor. Because there's stuff that comes in life that you need somebody to talk to. You don't need to pick up the phone and call them. You can, but you need to have the presence Be with them, in the presence of them. Talk to somebody. Somebody can give you a hug. Somebody can talk to you, can say it's going to be okay, look you in the eye. You know you can't look somebody in the eye on FaceTime? You can look at the pixels, the graphic of their eye. You're looking at a screen. You can't look at their eye, eye to eye. They could be, you think you're looking at their eye, and they're looking at, you know, the top of their their, their phone. You're not looking at, you're, you're looking at a phone. There's something about seeing somebody's eyes. You look at them, you can assess things. Now, you can see that somewhat, yes, on a call, but there's a difference. You also have the presence. You're there. The Spirit of God's there. Yes, there's no distance in the Spirit, but don't take that to an extreme, okay? It is better to be in person. How many of you have loved ones? We have some right here. How many of you have loved ones that it's better to be in person, give somebody a hug, than say, oh, I'll give you a virtual hug? That only goes so far. We have kids that are going to college, you know, halfway across the United States. It's so much better when they come home and you can just give them a hug, right? So, yes, thank God for technology. Thank God that we can um, see things in different parts of the country and world. But don't bring that to an extreme. Let's not be foolish about it. It is better to be in person. It is better to have somebody that knows you, that knows who you are, that knows your name, that knows your family's name, that if they need to come to your house or meet you at the hospital, they're there. That's part of what a pastoral does and pastoral role is. But part of the church then, which is what we're talking about, uh, with that, you, you are building up the body of Christ that you can be there to help and encourage one another. And so the pastor's role is to facilitate that. To your, the local shepherd, local 
under-shepherd of Jesus. Jesus, We all reverence Him and look to Him, but He's placed individuals then to do the work that He would do as a shepherd to bring a local body up, to, to help lead and feed them with the Word of God so that they'll grow strong. For protection, there's protection when you're under, when you're with a local body. There's just things that you can be corrected of. Pastor might not even know, but the Spirit of God's correcting you, helping you to avoid things that maybe you were going to doctrinally or in your life or getting off. There's correction that'll happen just supernaturally. So many times that we don't even, you know, pastor doesn't even know about certain things, but the Word of God, the Spirit does, and He's helping and He's guiding. So there's all that that's happening locally, and then there's a body, a local body, established body of Christ that you know, the, the, the Bible calls the 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 family of God, a body, and likens it to a physical body. But you have a local uh, church, local body of Christ, that facilitates us being edified and, and grown up. Of course, that happens through the pastoral ministry directly, but also then in the church, that happens through one another. But that's facilitated by the pastoral role that then facilitates a local body that then allows a group of people that are joined together by the Spirit of God with a like mission in a like geographic area to go forward in the plan of God and be encouraged and being helped on the way in the journey if there's challenges, if there's bumps, if there's things that come against for the joys, for the setbacks, whatever that we're going to go over and that we're going to walk in the plan of God. And there's a practical part of that that we bring each other along. That's ordained by God. It's called your company. It's called your brothers and sisters that you know locally. For Ephesians 4.12 in the Amplified, it says, He did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body. God did this to fully equip and perfect or mature the saints. Again, fully equipped. Fully equipped. As we're going forward, there is that encouragement, there is that equipping. It's not just mail-in or email-in that like, hey, what do I do in this situation? And let me write you an email. It's people that are walking us through together life in victory, overcoming, giving the word, encouraging, being able to pray together. Where it said, the Bible says where two of you are, are gathered together. There I am. Well, is he walk around with us in a side? Yes, but there's a different anointing when you're corporate. Here is different than you just being at home. Should you have devotions and prayer time at home? Absolutely. Why would you try to choose between the two? It's not just come to church and do nothing at home or do everything at home and not come to church. It's both. We want to be fully equipped, right? Not halfway not barely. We want people that we can call up and say, hey, this is going on. And be honest. You're not, you're not glorifying the devil. You can say, see, faith does not deny circumstance. Did you hear me? If it were a, a game, a sports game, you know, let's say soccer. I played soccer. You know, it's not, faith doesn't go when you're down 10 to 1. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk about the score. Score is the score. Well, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not going to talk doubt and unbelief. You saying the score has nothing to do with doubt and unbelief. Did you hear me? What comes out of your mouth next does. The score is 10 to 1. There's no way we're coming back. The score is 10 to 1, but watch this. You're about to see the greatest comeback in the history of finals. where We're going over. Well, I'm not going to talk about the score because that might make us lose. You're already losing (laughs) on the board. But if you walk by just by sight, then you're just going by that. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Talking about the doctor's report is not unbelief. Did I lose somebody? Quiet. What you say with your mouth does not mean 
It's what you say is going to happen, not talking about what is the current circumstance. Did you hear me? If you ignore that stuff, that's not faith. That's denial. The Bible does not talk about denial. The faith looks the situation straight in the eye and says, yep, that's what they said, but this is what God said. Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's say. Well, I don't want to talk about that. That can be fear. I don't want to say it because what? The devil might hear you or something. That's fear. That's fear. That's fear. It's afraid something's going to happen. No. We look it in the eye and say, yeah, that's what they said. You don't talk about it. You don't have to talk about it over and over either, okay? Well, that's what they said. That's what they said. The score's 10 to 1. The score's 10 to 1. The score's 10 to 1. Oh, the score's 10. No. The score's 10 to 1. Now, what are we going to do about it? Right? Okay, well, we're in this together. <laughs> we're in this together. We walk through things. We say, you can come. What's the issue? You know, I remember somebody was talking about this. You go to the doctor. They push you in a certain place. They say, does that hurt? The answer is supposed to be truth, not faith. They're asking you, I'm pushing you here. Does that hurt? Well, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's not what I asked you. Does this hurt? No, that's a lie. If it's, if it's hurting, that's a lie. That's not faith. Yes, that hurt. Don't do it again. It hurt. Yes. Okay. Now we can start going forward. Now we can deal. But denying the circumstance is not faith. It's not going to get you. It doesn't make it go away. It just means you're not going to deal with the issue. You, say, you can say it. They came to Jesus and said, or Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. You know, they keep coming to me, you're going late. Look, he told him, Lazarus is asleep. Well, if he's sleeping, it'll get better. Lazarus is dead. You guys know what I'm talking about? Lazarus was a friend. If you don't know the story, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, Mary and Martha, and he was sick. And, his, and people came to him and said, you got to come, he's sick. You got to do something now. And he didn't go. Was Jesus wrong? No. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Side issue. Boy, we're just wading through it today. Side thing. Uh, your pastor is not to do everything you want him to do all the time. Jesus did not do that. He was led by the Spirit to do what he needed to do that was going to be the right thing for the right time. If he did everything everybody wanted to do, he'd be worn out. For everybody and no good. But he was led. Jesus didn't come. Well, I thought if you're a man of God, you just do whatever. Jesus didn't. Did you hear me? Anyway. So they came and said, Lazarus, I mean, Jesus, Lazarus is going to die. You got to come. This is serious. Come. He didn't come. Then he died. Jesus knew he died. Disciple, you know, he's telling him, Lazarus is sleeping. Well, if he's sleeping, it'll get better. He's dead. Was Jesus in unbelief because he said he's dead? He was dead. He's dead. Dead, dead, dead. Doesn't change it. Lazarus is dead. But Jesus went and raised him from the dead. So just stating what is, is not unbelief. You talk about it all the time like that is the dominant thing. That is unbelief. You're going to talk yourself into a bad place. Well, the doctor said, well, the doctor said, I just don't know. The doctor said, I mean, that's acting like the doctor's higher than God. You say what the doctor said, and then you say what God said, and then you keep saying what God said. And you don't have to broadcast what the doctor said to everybody. I would not say that to you. It's none of their business. You don't answer to people. You don't have to tell everybody in their mind. It's none of their business. You don't have to, like, say, get in the position where I have to answer this and I got to divulge all this personal. That's not anybody's business. You don't have to do that. But again, what are we talking about? We're talking about to be encouraged and edified and built up and going on the plan of God. If somebody that is there to help you and is there to give you faith asks you, so 
Level with me. What is going on? That's not the time to dance around and sugarcoat it. Did you hear me? That's the time. I mean, you got to be led. But what, what's the deal? Well, there's this, this, and this. All right, got it. Now, let's get the victory plan. Let's get the battle plan. Let's, let's, let's uh, get from God how we're going to go forward. What's the next step? Well, it's just got to be healed. Just got to have the finances come in. But what's the next step for us? What do we need to do? What does God want us to do now? Not, not yes, we know the perfect will of God, but what, what does that look like? What's the next step? What do I do? If we're down 10 to 1, what's our strategy? We're just going to win. Okay, what's the next? What do we do? How are we going to play this thing? Where are we giving the ball? What do we... You know, because God, God doesn't say, well, just win, just do it. He gave specific strategies to people to do. You do this now. You know, Gideon. Cut out most of the people that you're dealing, you're, you know, in your army. That's the next, I mean, he gave him specific things. He didn't just say, just go win, go do it. It's my word. Yes, it's his word, but God has a next step, and you can do next step, next step, next step, next step, next step, next step, boom, one. What we're talking about, encouraging, walking through stuff, getting the plan, walking over. Well, you need people that are trusted. You're in a battle. You need people that are next to you that's like, hey, how are we going to go over this? What's God saying? So we can go through, so we can go over. And those, you're walking through it with people. You don't phone some prayer line on just, thank God, you can call a prayer line. But they don't know you. You can pray, they can pray with you. But there's a whole lot more power in somebody that you know and you talking with them. Remember what? And they say, you remember what happened last year? Remember how God brought you through that? And you remember the year before that when we prayed and we believed God. You remember that? And five years ago, remember when your child was dealing with this and this and God brought you through. There is power in that. There's, you're walking through battles together. You build trust with people. Amen? You build trust with people. You build, you're like, you, you, uh, we have history. Right? We have history. But you know, if, if, we're, if we're hooked up with a church that's halfway across the world, that's, that's my church. Yeah, and they're closed for the next 12 hours until it's daytime there or whatever. Okay, that's not ideal. Did you hear me? Well, I'll just, you know, I'll call so-and-so's ministry. Well, praise God. Thank God for them. Who's our boots on the ground? Who do I know? Amen? It's good to know people. It's good to have light company. It's good to, to walk through. Well, what is that? That's the local body. So there's a, a, a pastor that's helping to facilitate that with a good shepherd looking, watching over. And then there's people, we're walking this together. Why are we saying this? That, that's not all the pastor's job either. Pastor facilitates stuff. But you are talking with somebody. You, got, you have somebody that's in your life that you can go to, you can talk about, and that they know your battles. You've gone through some battles together. You know, that's why we have these, these fellowship groups. Take advantage of them. That's not just to go just get food. Thank God for the food. But it's the fellowship. You're building relationships with people. Oh, and that takes time. Well, I don't need it. I'm just good. I'm too busy. Too busy for what? What, what is so important? So, you're, so you're, you're with the people that are in the battle in this location in the world with you. You're too busy to fellowship with them so that when stuff hits you in life, you're, you have some people around you. But I'm too busy to build that relationship. Don't be that person. I know Shelly mentioned time. What time did I start? Praise God. You guys okay? <laughs> Shall I mention, it takes time, you know, in the announcements or what. It takes time to build relationships. You know, when we, when we first moved out here, we did not know a single person. Literally. No family. People would ask us all the time when they found out we were coming out. Oh, you have family out there? 
Who do you know out there? Is it a job? None of the above. Spirit of God, we just, you know, we didn't broadcast that, everybody. Some people throw this aside. But even people that we thought should know. Well, you do your demographics. You do, you know, who do you know? Well, we just believe we're supposed to be led. Yeah, but who do you know? It's just throwing away the leading of the God, of Spirit of God. So we, we don't know anybody. Well, over time, you know, then we got hooked up with, uh, when we started going to the RMAI, the Raymond Ministerial Association, international events. Well, we didn't know anybody there. We had to be introduced. Didn't know people. Go to a retreat. Sit next to somebody. Hey, I'm Jim. It's Shelly. Who are you? Oh, where do you live? Yeah, that's the way it was. First time. We don't know anybody. Sometimes people, you know, you come into a church and people, I hear this. You know, it's intimidating. It can be intimidating to come into a church because like you don't know anybody. Well, you just get to know nobody. You, you start talking to people and that, that's why we, we have these things, you know, uh, social events, so you can just get to know people, and then it becomes less intimidating. You start to know people, and then you see them again at the next one. You see them again. You see them at church. That's what happened to us in this region. You know, we didn't know the people that we know now. We didn't know them then. We just started talking to them, and then guess what? We see them at the next retreat the next year and talk to them, and, hey, I saw you last year, and we'll sit together, and I got to know some new people, and we got... It just happened like that, little by little. I'm telling you, when we go now, we, we know so many people, and it's just a blessing. And you've seen, you know, well, no, they're going through something more. You know, they've known things we've gone through. And you have this, this uh, camaraderie and family. It's like, we're here. We're in New England. We're in the Northeast. Thank God for the people that are, you know, in China or India or the Philippines. But we're here. And we got our company here. And we got people, we have people we know. I have people I could drive to right now right around here, and I could drive and go and be with them tonight if I needed to, and if I really needed to sit in the room with them and say, hey, man, we, this is going on. I need your counsel, whatever. Phone call's not good enough. I could be there tonight. I could be there this afternoon. And we know them. The same thing goes in the local church. We need to know. We need to, to know people, be built up. And then it goes both ways, right? So sometimes you may need something, but you, you may be the one encouraging Look at Hebrews 10, 24. This is really what I want to get to, but this is all related. This is all, I believe, what we're supposed to be, excuse me, be covering. Hebrews 10, 24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So don't forsake the assembling. of. Let's go back to verse 24. We're going to read this in another version too. But let us consider one another in order to stir up good works. So let us, let's look around. Let's, let's look at the people around us in order what? To, cons- to, to uh, consider one another to stir up love and good works. What is that, a religious thing? No, good works is doing the work of Almighty God. To stir up love, you're walking in love with your fellow brothers and sisters, and you are being spurred on to do what you are called to do, to do with each other. You're in different vocations, different places that we're stirred up to go forward and do what God has called us to do. It says, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some but exhorting one another. That's encouraging one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. The Amplified Classic, verse 24 and 25, says, Let us consider and give attention, continuous care, to watching over one another. So we talked about this in relation to the pastoral office, and that's facilitating, right? We put in place, you know, a 50s event. We put in place... A youth event put in place, a 30s and 40s event. Young adults of eyes like there's another one. You put those in place, well, but then there is one another. But how did the structure get there? Well, there is a, there's a facilitation, there is an oversight, a bringing along of what we're called to do. But then there is the church all doing that together. Well, all that is is. Under that, that overall it's being edified, spearheaded, 
by the office of the pastor, but it doesn't stop there. It's not like, well, then it's up to the pastor to do everything. No, it's, uh, it's the pastors bringing this together, but now there's opportunities for each one of us to be conduits for Almighty God to minister to one another, not be wacky and weird and, you know, get in there and I'm going to minister to you. You know what minister means? To serve. Just means I'm there for you. Not the Lord told me to be there. Just, what do you need? Can I, can I take you out? To, can, we, can we go for a meal? Can, do you need, you need anything? That's, that's serving. That's ministering. People say, oh, I'm not ministering. Are you serving? Are you just being there for somebody? Somebody in their time of need, are you being there? That's, you're being a minister. Not, ooh, I'm being a minister. If you're going to be greatest in the kingdom of God, you are the servant of all, Jesus said. you just there. Well, how does that happen? Well, you build a relationship with somebody. You, you and I both know. Somebody knocks on your door and goes, hey, I want to minister to you. Like, whoa, get off my property. Hey, I, I want to help you with something. Oh, what do you want to help me with? Why did you just not? I don't know who you are. I don't know if I want your help, right? If, if we're like that, everybody else is like that. You've got to build a relationship between, before they trust you and they care what you have to say. Well, it's like that in the church. We build, we build a relationship. How does that happen? One step at a time. One service at a time. One event at a time. One conversation at a time. One phone call. One text. Stronger. One, one thing you walked through. That'll bind you to somebody. You walked through a tough time and they were there for you. You don't have to give them a bunch of scripture if it's the wrong time. You just got it. You have to be there. I'm not saying you shouldn't give scripture. There's a time to talk and there's a time to just be there. Time is just, sometimes it's just being there. Because you being there, if you're a child of God, you have the presence of God there. All right, let's wrap this up. Look at a, look at a, let's look at it in the Amplified Classic, verse 24 again. We'll keep going. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Notice it says studying how we may stir up. That means you get to know somebody, right? You know, something that you're going to say to one person might not work for the other person. You don't just go blab in front of everybody and preach at everybody. No, you just, hey, you get to know somebody. You know, man, hey, so-and-so, may they like this. This will bless them. And other people, they couldn't care less, but this person it would bless. Maybe this other thing will bless somebody else. Verse 25, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. See, that's not just church. That's just getting, I mean, we call this church. We're the church. So when we have events, and this isn't about that. We're just using this as an example. When, when we have anything, you know, like the baptism last week, so beautiful. It was awesome. It was an awesome event. You know, people came and we had a rain delay and people were still there. It was just the fellowship that was there. Beautiful. You know, for you guys that were there, I mean, the weather was perfect. After the rain, the rain was there, but we knew it was going to clear up. And so it did. And it cooled down. It was so much nicer. The sun came out, just like last year. The sun came out. It was cool. All the other people left because it was raining. So they're all gone. We had the beach. You know, other people came in, but primarily, I mean, with our area, we had it pretty much to ourselves. Fellowship, a special thing, uh, event in, in people's lives, and then all the side conversations going on. It's felt, how many of you that were there say that that's what was going on last week? It was awesome. It was beautiful. Well, just you take advantage of those things at just events. Don't ever, well, that, uh, you know, just be, be led. Just know they're always going to be something going on that'll try to distract you, but we just have to push into things that are important. Verse 25, now forsaking and neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What's that saying? You're just being there. Doesn't mean you're preaching at somebody, telling other people what to do. But as you have a relationship, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you say that, see the day pro- approaching, what does that mean? You do it more faithfully, more on purpose. You don't miss stuff. 
you get there, you realize Jesus is coming back. We're in a battle. I need to be strong. I need to have some people standing next to me that I know I can count on. When the bullets are flying, I need to know the person next to me. I want to be in helping, not just give me, give me, like for me to be encouraged, but I want to be one that I can encourage when somebody is going through something. We want to be together that I can be a conduit for God to help other people. Not in a Christian easy, hyper spiritual way that, hey, God has just told me to say this to you. Just saying, Hey, you're just talking to them and it's the spirit of God. You don't have to say anything because if it's the spirit of God, they're being encouraged and they know. You don't have to stamp something to say, hey, do you know what's going on right now? Just, just be there. But every one of us has that. And so as that's facilitated by the great shepherd, the good shepherd, we will have a body of believers. This happens all over the world that this is going on in localities, that is moving together with the plan of God for them in that region. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your family history. It doesn't matter your social status according to the world. It just matters, are you in the family of Almighty God? And are you connected with this local body, whatever, wherever it is? And are we going in the plan of God together? That's what's important. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this where God would have me? And is this where I'm going to fulfill God's plan for my life? That's going to be facilitated through Him and through the body and we'll go on together and go up together and be fully equipped to do what He called us to do. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. God is faithful. Rich, rich fellowship. Rich, rich fellowship, but you need to cultivate, but you need to cultivate, you need to water, you're going to need to, to put an effort in, but there's rich, there's rich fellowship, there's rich fellowship, there's rich fellowship, rich support, rich support, rich uh, camaraderie as you move forth in God's plan for your life, but you weren't meant to let, move forth alone. God's plan doesn't include just you. God's plan includes all His body, all His family. But we've each been hooked up in a different place. We've each been hooked up in a different area. So as you hook up with that area, with those, that body of believers, because your plan is hooked to their plan. And their plan, the, the plan of God for them, is hooked to the plan of God for you. Because He's ordained that we walk together. He's ordained that we walk in a company not alone. It's the, the person, the, it's the, the weak sheep that's off alone that gets picked off. But those that come underneath the good shepherd with the local body that they're called to be in, they're protected, they're strong, they're encouraged because their plan is hooked up with others' plans. And as we move forward together in that plan, we will accomplish everything he's called us to do We'll have everything we need at the time. But don't start looking for it when the emergency happens. Don't lo start looking for it when the challenge happens. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, He'll help you in times of, of trouble. But how much better to follow His plan, to be where you need to be ahead of time, to start cultivating those relationships, start walking fully in His plan. And so when the plan when challenges come up, when things push against you, you're in a place and with people that will help you move on and that will encourage you because you've laid the groundwork. You've been faithful to do what he called you to do. You've been in the place he's called you to be with the people he's called you to be with. And so ahead of time, he's already made deposits. He's already... Uh, guided and directed and helped you and placed things in you, placed things in others so you have the answer when you need it. Yes, God can get things to you, but why pull on His secondary plan for you when you can walk in His perfect plan for you, when you can walk where He wants you to be and with those others that have a like plan for He's called them alongside of you and he's called you alongside of them 
And so as we walk together, we'll be strong and we'll be encouraged and we'll be built up. The Word says that a three-cord rope, three-strand cord or rope is not easily broken. How much more as we put layers upon layers there, you with other people, with the Spirit of God, and then you with another person, with the Spirit of God, and this a net and a web of strength moving forward into the plan of God, strong, equipped, encouraged, built up, satisfied, at peace with those around you that are like family. For they are family. They're the, they're the family of Almighty God, a spiritual family, apart from any natural background or natural appearance, but ordained by the living God for the right time to be with the right people doing the right thing. And God will get all the glory and all the honor because we have exalted Him and His plan and His purpose and His place. And we've honored Him. And so there will be rich dividends but he will get all the glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.